CDC says the infected passenger passed through busy SeaTac airport. Senate having tried Donald John Trump, President of the United States, upon two articles of impeachment, B, and he is hereby acquitted of the charges in said... It's been 35 home. days since the World Health Organization was first alerted to the crisis in China. There are almost... We're going to continue. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. My safer at home emergency order requires Los Angeles residents to stay in their home. It limits all made their outdoor. anger and their fury clear last night over the death of George Floyd, a black man who died in police custody. The power to vote it's the noblest instrument ever devised to register our will in a peaceable and productive fashion. If you want to be a true professional, you will do something outside yourself, something to repair tears in your community, something to make life a little better for people less fortunate than you. That's what I think a meaningful life is. One lives not just for oneself, but for one's community. Welcome to our weekly socially distanced podcast, where an aspiring actor and screenwriter check in and learn how former guests are hustling from home. We discuss the current U.S. election and the most important issues of 2020. This is a Hollywood Hustle podcast. Quarantine edition. Michael, how have you been? Uh, better than expected is my answer to that question. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. you know what? That's, that's such a, a, a nice, positive way to put it. I like but that. But it's, it's actually that. true. I don't, I'm not inclined towards uh, frivolous positivity. But I, it's, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's, as a, as yeah. I remember, recall from our last interview. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of, of painting a, a bright, sunny face on things. But, but no, I've been surprisingly, surprisingly good. Yeah. See, then then I would say that would probably be like the most positive thing that you can say. So that's got to be like a height of yeah, positivity yeah, for yeah. you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not well, like a like a like a Trump with COVID. I feel great. I'm fantastic. It's not that. <laughs> while you're while you're also going. <gasps> yeah, right. right. <laughs> Guys, I'm doing great. <gasps> I'm, doing, I'm the best I've ever been. Uh, I'm, uh, all right. So we are here with Michael Kostroff, prolific character actor. You may have recently seen him in The Plot Against America, uh, where he played Shepsy Turchwell. He was also in the Lincoln Rhyme Hunt for the Bone Collector show. At Law and Order Special, uh, special, special Victims Unit. He, he was in Billions. He was in The Wire. He was in so many things. He was on the screen, on the stage. He is a former guest of ours. We're so excited to have him back. Uh, he is also the creator and coach for uh, Audition Psych 101, which we highly suggest you check out. Ladies and gentlemen, Mikhail Kostruv. <laughs> it's, it's good to be here, Mikhail and Daniel. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is like some weird underground Russian. Like, hello, Mikhail. <laughs> We're all recording from remote locations because we don't want to be trapped. Hint, hence the the tarp behind uh, Mikhail back there. Yeah, that's right. So uh, overall, I mean, I know we talked a little bit uh, a minute ago, but how, how I know you said you kind of been as good as you can be. Uh, how how are things in general? Are you keeping busy? Are you finding, learning, educating yourself? What have you been doing during this kind of crazy time? Surprisingly, I mean, surprisingly well. I, I and I, I I am as I said before. I, I'm I'm not prone to positive thinking. I don't put a, a happy face on things. If things suck, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> when all this shut down, I think one of my to be really candid, one of my biggest fears was boredom. I don't do well with it. I get I get a little bananas in my head if I mm. if I don't have things to do. Um, right. Surprisingly, I've been doing a, a lot of readings. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, I'm teaching three classes a week. I've I've never taught an acting class before. Mm. I know that sounds strange, but I I I'll take a little little sidebar on that. I am not a highly trained actor and I didn't ever think I was equipped to teach acting. I, I, I'm very instinctive, but it's, that's been a whole education to me unto itself. I, I, uh, it turns out I know a couple of things that I can, that I can convey. <laughs> I'm teaching three classes a week. I'm, I'm working on my fourth book. Uh, very excited about that. Um, and doing some coaching as auditions are starting to come back. Um, and, and surprisingly that's kept me, uh, kept me busy. I've also, I've had a, a rather a big life change. I, um, I had planned to go to Canada. I have my paperwork in for permanent residence. It's going to probably take a year. 
Wow. In the meantime, I am living with my wife for the first time in our marriage, which is fantastic. Wow. Wow. That's, um, fa- that's amazing. Yeah. She, uh, my wife lives in, in Moscow, Idaho, uh, a great town. And we have not been able to ever live together because, uh, uh, obviously, not a lot of TV opportunities in Moscow, Idaho. <laughs> or <Really>? Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as, uh, should I apologize for my long-winded answer? It's, it's a lot. I'm, I'm, asking, I'm answering in, in uh, long paragraphs. But um, um, as it became clear that New York, nothing was happening and I couldn't hug a friend or go to a restaurant or do any of the things that make New York, New York, it suddenly didn't make sense to be paying expensive New York rent and sitting in my apartment. And I bought a cargo van and I moved out of my New York apartment and moved to Moscow, Idaho. And I'm delighted. <laughs> delighted. No, it's like, it's such a joy. So are you saying Moscow, Idaho? It's spelled just like Moscow, Russia, but it's pronounced Moscow. All right. Oh, Miguel. Moscow. Yeah. There ah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> the narrative just fits now. I'm Kostrov in Moscow. <laughs> Uh, before we started recording, though, uh, Michael, you had said that you actually got to see a Broadway play before everything shut down. Can you kind of walk us through? Because I know a lot of our listeners don't live in big populated cities like Los Angeles or New York. So what was that feeling of everything c- happening all at once? You know, as the uh, yeah, as the as the information trickled in, we weren't exactly sure that I had tickets to see Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway with a friend of mine. And we had a conversation about whether or not we should go. I think this was probably the 12th of March. And we went. I'm glad we did. It was uh, beautiful to see it. I had a friend in the show. And the next day, everything closed. And um, as dramatic as that is, I think we were all on pause to see how long things were going to be closed. Remember, at the beginning, we thought maybe a week, maybe two Mm -hmm. weeks. It was a wait-and-see situation. It was like there was a curfew for a couple of nights. And it, you know, and then it, 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 this has been a slowly dawning realization that it wasn't coming back anytime soon. So um, it was sad. It was sad there. It was, uh, you know, streets were empty and uh, restaurants were closed and it was very, very odd. A lot of the things that make New York the city that it is are just not happening. You know, and, they, and I think they just said that right now they're not expecting the opening Broadway up until at least next May. Uh, June, is, is what they said. Yeah, June. Oh wow! But it's it's also it's the responsible thing to do. It's also no, really, absolutely. It's also really sad, you know. Yeah, and and so you've been teaching act- actors and everything. I I always find whenever I'm I'm helping a friend, uh, whether it's through an audition or something like that, as an actor, I always learn more about acting through the act of teaching. Uh, have there been any discoveries that you've made? God, absolutely. And I, 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 I wish I had thought about this question before because there, there, there have been a lot. And uh, I mean, one of the discoveries was that people like studying acting with me, which I, I, I really, they come back every week. And it's, you know, and it's like an oasis. It's like a little oasis where we're like, like oh, for three hours, there's no COVID, there's no politics. It's just, just the work. Do you count and you're like one, two, three, four, five? Oh, all seven are here. Wow, we didn't lose anybody this week. Yeah, I lost nobody. I've had, I have a waiting list now. Like I can't, you know. Um, That's fantastic. I could teach four or five classes a week if I had the energy to do it, but I don't. Um, so, in terms of the art, um, one of the discoveries I've made is the value of finding the surprises in the scene. What are the like? I've said to, to actors, okay, you've said this line. What do you think the other character is going to say next? And then what, how does this line line up with it? And sometimes there's small surprises like, oh, okay, I have to make that adjustment because I heard something I didn't expect. Or sometimes it's like, I can't believe you've just said that to me. And it's something that we, once we've learned all the lines and the trajectory of the scene, to some extent, we have to now unwind that to make it spontaneous. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh, okay. absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I've also, and these are all things that I've sort of found through teaching and working on things, you know. Um, Along the same lines, um, giving our character the space to consider saying something different than what they end up saying. We were just watching the insanely brilliant Denzel Washington. Every time I watch him, I can't believe what a brilliant actor this is. Um, in the, the sort of the big climactic scene from uh, Flight, where he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's at this hearing and you watch him decide to admit his own culpability 
and man, does he take his time. And boy, you watch that process and you can really see him weighing what to say uh, because the character doesn't know he's bound by what's in the script. So anyway, I can go on and on and about this, but those, those are two big things that, that like light bulbs just since teaching, since starting to teach. Wow. And and then what is the, I, we're all getting adjusted to this Zoom environment, right? Of, of hanging out with each other virtually. How teaching or acting is such a interpersonal thing of, you know, typically you're there, you can read someone's body language from head to uh, foot and everything like that. How have you adapted to this more virtual space? Well, it's, it's sort of a love hate. I mean, on the one hand, it's a miracle that we have this technology available. You, the three of us couldn't be talking now without it. Mm-hmm. I insist it's not the same. It's not the same as the energy of being in the same room. It's just not. Of course, um, definitely not. But uh, you know, that we, 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 there is a setting on zoom where people can make themselves invisible when they're not in the scene. And so that makes the two squares bigger. And I think it works better than I expected. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, I I think, I do think there's a level that we can't get to in terms of the playing the scene together. I mean, there's definitely like a physical connection that is hindered by doing being in the zoom and, and, and there's something about that natural connection or, just two people who are talking directly at each other that just already just gives the, you know, it's the 600 for just getting your name right on the SAT. Like just kind of naturally already heightens the scene, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And then there, there's also the fun glitch issues where it could be an emotional moment or it could be a comedic moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. You've and never, then- <laughs> be- and you, why? Those, Tell those. me that. Yeah, those are truth. The- we, we had that the other day where somebody was in, we, we were sort of catching up at the beginning and someone was involved in the middle of a great story and then froze. It was like, ah, oh, I can't take it. <laughs> Mike, Michael's definitely, he's been, do, Michael at the beginning of this did a lot of like some script readings and, and stage readings and, or Zoom stage readings. And one of the biggest issues is just some people's internet just could not handle it. And there was just so much lag between the scenes and scripts and stuff. Well, I also think there's such a thing as so Zoom, bur- Zoom burnout. I'm like, I think I've, I've sort of pulled off of doing readings because I've just done so many of them and the technological requirements. It's, it's just, it's, you know, I've got to put up blankets. It's all, you know, it's all, it's all, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What are, how are you feeling about, you know, certain productions are starting to, you know, start again and they're really trying to enforce some protocols uh, for onset stuff. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think is needed uh, other, other than obviously a vaccine and, and stuff like that for this to, for, you know, Hollywood to get back to work. The real short answer is I don't know. I'm, I'm scheduled to film for the first time since we shut down uh, next month and I'm excited and I'm nervous and I, I don't know. I, I still feel oddly to me and I'm, please, I, I speak with no expertise. It still feels too soon. It feels like, are we really ready for this? I don't know. But I'm 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 certainly going to say yes and go once once the, that date is solidly booked. Has the studio given any instruction as far as COVID testing or what their protocols are going to be? They have a whole yeah they have a whole list of what the protocols are. Um, I don't remember them off the top of my head, but they're, <laughs> sure. they're very you know they're 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 very responsible. But you know just dipping into a, a political topic for a second, the the information has not been consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it hard for each of these entities to make decisions um, that they can be sure about mm-hmm. because it's been, you know, it, it's, the information has been delayed and it's been conflicting. Right. I think. And we're still learning about things. I mean, we're still, this is such a, a disease that we still don't know a ton about. We don't know if, how, if, a, if you get it once, if you can't get it again for a while, you know, we don't know exactly what the, how it works. I, I have patients who will, We'll call the office, uh, Michael, because I still work for uh, a physician um, as my daily hustle. And I have patients calling and asking me for updates <laughs> on things. And so, like, of course, I refer them to CDC and uh, the physician and I, we're always trying to adapt our treatments and everything to make sure that they're most current, but also that everyone from patients to physician to staff are safe. We, we don't want to and I know we'll get this is probably I think this is a question on, on your list later, but you know one of the one of the things that I think is really important to our uh, mentally managing 
what we're in is to is to really accept and acknowledge the fact that this is weird it's not normal it's never going to be normal it's not okay it is anxiety provoking it is scary it is uh, it is unknown territory and i think the more we remind ourselves of that we go okay well what's going on with me emotionally and mentally is it's normal it's it's a normal reaction to a weird situation absolutely um and and before we kind of move on to our next topic how have you um, I mean, I, you mentioned, you know, obviously doing these, the, the teachings and stuff like that, but how have you personally kind of kept yourself motivated, kept yourself waking up in the morning, getting out of bed and, and going through the day? Like what's been motivating for you? I don't, I don't know that that's been an especially challenging thing because the, you know, having to teach gets, you know, uh, having someplace to show up is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also this sort of strangely new relationship with my wife of eight years where like when it gets to be dinner time and she comes from home from work we have family time i i've got, got like i've got stuff to do we sit around we watch tv we're you know we're watching the west wing which i recommend for inspiration um <laughs> yes so i think i had more of more of that issue when i was still alone in my apartment in new york and uh, um no i think i think this is very relevant because i think 2020 has been a big reminder of the importance of just the simple things, you know, going for a walk in your neighborhood, you know, we all have spouses, you know, just the simple act of being able to be home with your partner and to have a meal and to know that they're okay amidst all of this craziness as well, I think is just... I think also like like a lot of actors, you know, I tend to have an addiction to productivity. Um, the other day I took a real day off. I mean, I never do this where I didn't write anything. I didn't teach anybody. I didn't think about it. I just really, really wasted time. And it was fantastic. I don't do that very often, but I, I when you talk about being motivated, I, I, am a little concerned about actors who feel that even through this pandemic, they need to keep making contacts and making inroads and growing them. I mean, it's like, I think that is, I, I really make a case for stand down, stand the hell down. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's only so much you can do right now. Some people say, well, how do we stay in touch with casting directors? I'm like, don't. They're going through their own thing right now. They're going through their own anxiety about whether they can keep the doors open and, their, and about their families. They have personal lives. You know, How do I stay in touch with my agent? I mean, I talk to my agent frequently because we're friends. We, don't talk, we hardly talk about the business at all unless it's to, 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 to bemoan it. You know? mm-hmm. We talk about politics. We talk about life. We talk about our pets. She's going through it too. She doesn't know how long she's going to have a job. So I, that's, that's the other part of the productivity question uh, the, of the motivation question is um, we can only do what we can do, you know, and we can get a little crazy about that. It, it kind of connects to the item you discussed in our last interview, which was the idea of the anti-hustle <laughs> to, to your Hollywood hustle a little bit. And in some ways, uh, a, a way to survive and a way to just be healthy in this year is to kind of keep that sense of calm. I think the hustle's on hold. Just the a hustle's little, on hold. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Now, now that doesn't mean you can't work on, I mean, I'm working on a book that I had put off for a long time that I'm excited about. So, you know, there are always creative things we can do. Um, but I think things like doing a reading or, or, or even just doing an online reading with your friends, that's what I call actor vitamins. Like the thing that makes you remind, remember that you love the art part and makes you feel less help, helpless and uh, more like you're doing your thing. Uh, so, Michael, you know, one of the things we're doing this this year, this kind of during this crazy time is we're talking about issues and, and, and certain things that deal with uh, the current state of the world and the election. Um, we're trying to offer as much fact and data as we can, trying not to be too one-sided though Michael and I definitely have our beliefs and we know you know you obviously have your beliefs but uh I really appreciated the the topic that you brought up you know political and and civil divide that's happening in this country uh when it comes to especially when it comes to policy and political uh issues and uh candidates it's definitely become a very derided uh um angry area of discussion where uh, parents and 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 kids and brothers and sisters are having trouble even staying close to each other or even talking to each other when they stand on both sides of the of the Republican or Democrat or undecided line. 
um, that we might live in. Um, before we kind of started talking about it, I, I kind of did some, I looked up some kind of articles and some other stuff about this. And one of the things I found, which uh, I thought was really interesting, um, this is from an article uh, where uh, it's quotes from a guy named John C. Green. He's the former director of the Racy Bliss Institute for Applied Politics at the University of Akron. Um, when asked about the divide in the country, he talks about it goes beyond competition for power and it goes beyond positions on public policy. It's a really visceral dislike for one another. There's always some of that, but it's, uh, it's become much more common recently. Uh, experts say part of why people are so divided is because the two major parties have become more homogenous with citizens who identify as members of these parties sharing many of the same ideological values. They also tend to nominate candidates who are fervent in supporting the values that most appeal to the base rather than candidates who show a willingness to compromise. But experts argue it goes deeper than that. Political messaging has permeated nearly every aspect of our lives, even if we don't recognize it. Researchers have found that someone who posts a photo of a hunting trip on, a social, on social media is immediately assumed to be a Republican, whereas someone who posts a picture of a farmer's market is uh, immediately assumed to be a Democrat. Even geography has become more partisan. Cities tend to be overwhelmingly liberal, while rural areas are much more conservative. The effect is that we have very little interaction with people who do not share our political uh, beliefs, said David Barker, the director of the Center of Congressional and Presidential Studies at American University. Every single thing about our lives is divided along partisan lines, Barker said. We just do not encounter people from the opposite side of the aisle very often. And if you don't encounter them, you're not likely to be exposed to any information that could change or moderate your position. Uh, so that was from an article in uh, uh, Newsweek. Um, about the political divide, talking to these gentlemen. And I have a few other things to bring up as we talk about this, but um, why, uh, just first, why was it, why was this issue kind of the issue you, you wanted to discuss, Michael? I'm very curious. One of my greatest passions uh, for a long time, I've, I've actually been trying to get a TV show produced for about a decade called A Place at the Table, where we would go to a different city or small town and um, with each episode and have a meal and a conversation with six or eight people who normally don't sit down for a meal and a conversation. And here's why. Um, you know, at this point, the, the popular thinking is you can't talk to those people. Whatever side you're on, you can't talk to those people. You can, they're impossible. They're stupid. They're evilly motivated. You cannot talk to them. I've been reading a really interesting book called Love Your Enemies uh, uh, by, I believe it's Arthur C. Brooks. I think his middle initial is C a conservative writer, I'm not a conservative, he's a conservative, and it, he made such a beautiful point, which is he said, you know, this doesn't mean we can't disagree, dis disagree passionately and angrily, but when you decide that the, that the other person is not even worthy of a discussion or a debate, that, 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 that's contempt. When you have contempt and you've dismissed them, you can't go, go further. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've been saying for a long time, we are roommates, for better or worse, we're roommates. We occupy the same space. We are countrymen and countrywomen. It breaks my heart how much we've forgotten that. And um, there isn't a practical way that we're going to divide into two countries. I think if we could, we would, but I don't think we're going to. It's like having a roommate that you just that you that you don't speak to and you try to try to hurt and sabotage every day. Who can live like that? I. You know, again, this doesn't mean that I don't passionately disagree with a lot of the things I hear from the other side. But to say that, that to assume motive, you know, and to uh, assume that they cannot be spoken to is, is it's not going to work. I, I think a lot in terms of practicality, it's not going to work. There is no good outcome from that. I have, I have deliberately sought out conversations and friendships. Uh, not, I wish I had more, frankly. Uh, uh, with people on the right. I have a, a good Twitter friend who is all the way right, Trump supporter, gun rights, and we have very interesting disagreements, and we, and we like each other. We like each other, and we like the conversations that we have. Um, I, I think he's, you know, the other thing I want to say is this. One of the things that's become very clear to me is the, dif the difference in our news feeds is off the charts. Yeah. It makes sense with the news feed that I have, for me to look at the, the right and go, they're insane and stupid. How could they not see this? But you have to understand that the news feed on the right makes them justified in saying, what the hell is wrong with these people on the left? Don't they see this? And I, I think it's, 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 that's more extreme than we realize. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very easy to say, and I hear this all the time from my, my friends, they're like, yeah, but we're right, but we're correct. That's the difference. Our information is correct. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying kumbaya. I'm not saying it's equal. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I do believe that, you know, a lot of people on the right are, are deeply misled, but I, 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 it's easier to love them and not vilify them when you realize that there is a steady stream of information that goes a certain way. And through my, my conversations with my, 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 my friend on Twitter, um, I've discovered a couple of things that don't conveniently fit with my narrative. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, it doesn't overhaul my narrative, but you know, if we really want truth and honesty, there's some things that, that I went, oh, okay, I think I'm wrong on that one. I definitely think one of the things you know, I've, I've said recently is I think there's a problem on both sides of the party where it's no longer about like what is right, it's about who's right. And this arguing about each person, like our party's right. We know our, our stances are right. And the other side feels the same way. They, you know, my, one of my best friends in Texas is a, is a Republican and we have had some battles on Twitter and, and on text over, over the last few months because of everything going on. My, my wife's, uh, some of my wife's family sits in that same area. And, um, and then I have other people who I knew from high school and stuff like that that I follow on you know, Facebook and connect with there that are in that same because they're all they're from Texas and Texas is, um, you know, definitely highly Republican. So finding ways to have conversations or debates that you can still you can leave that space to still be friends um, has has been difficult. Luckily, I I feel like I've I've prided myself to always be someone who can separate business and personal. And so, you know, working with a friend or working with someone I'm close to, I can separate those moments. And I think that's helped a little bit in this moment of like separate. But even then, sometimes there is a personal aspect to it because there's personal beliefs that you attach yourself to that some sides don't. And so it can become easily contentious because it does become almost in this weirdly personal manner. Well, you know, the advice that I want to give if people are open to the idea of having these conversations is this. We need to relieve ourselves of the duty of uh, convincing people that they're stupid and misguided. I don't think that's a very good endeavor. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be successful. I really want to think in terms of practicality. So what I do is I, can, I explain what it's like for me. I'll say, well, my fears are this. My concerns are this. Does it bother you when you hear this? And I, I, I attribute to them the ability to reason, to feel, to be honest, and I, I sort of sort of insist that we're looking for what's the most true. But what you said something very important back then. You know, it's become like a football game where it's like, well, we won. So we won. So, <laughs> and I don't think that's, you know, the country should win. We should mm-hmm. win as a country. It's this idea of we won, so we get what we want. Right. Yeah. We, we won, so we get to take world. over everything. It separates into these groups of, you're the losers, you've got to deal with it now. And instead of like, why we're still a country of people that live in the same space. Our government works for all of us just because one party or ideology is in charge. It's hard to understand why that still feels like they're only working for one section of the country instead of everyone. One thing I will really lay at, 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 at uh, Donald Trump's feet is this. I think he has increased the idea of, of, taking pleasure in the discomfort and unhappiness of the other side, which is really a very un-American quality. Mm. So I, you know, to go, ha, 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 you guys, I bet you're upset now. I bet you, you know, I bet you're, you're worried now. Oh, you're, and, and to really enjoy somebody else being unhappy and upset, I, I think is, um, that's, that's, that, that's a sinister quality. Yeah. It's very vindictive. We're winning. We're going to win. And he says a lot of we're like with collectiveness of we're being his group of followers or his the Republican Party. He he uses very divisive language in how he says things in, in this in, even in like the smaller terms like we're instead of all of America. Uh, every says I work for all citizens, not just those who voted for me. Yeah. And that's you know, that's that's this one guy. I mean, I, I have mm-hmm. I believe that our 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 ideologies are more nuanced than we know. You know, there, I, I know I have some beliefs that are, that line right up with the right, you know, and, and, and vice versa. We, you know, which is why if we have conversations, we go, huh, 
I had a great exchange with this woman on, on Twitter. She said, you liberals just want to take over the country. You want open borders. You want socialism and, and one world order. And I, I heard all this stuff. And I said, you know, respectfully, I'm not sure that you know a lot about what liberals want. She said, okay, great. I'm all ears. Tell me. I said, okay, thank you. I said, look, I can't speak for all of us. When we get together, just so you know, I want to let you be a fly on the wall. The stuff that we talk about is very American. We don't know anyone in Antifa. We don't know any socialists. We don't know what one world order means. We talk about justice, fairness, the constitution. Equality. You know, <laughs> equality, rule of law. Yes, the environment, you know, but some very American uh, discussions. And she said, okay, well, you're probably different from the rest. I said, but that's the thing, we're not. Get to know us. And it's, mm -hmm. the same, it's the same the other way. I mean, you know, I, I have met and enjoyed discussions with Republicans and people of different faiths and different agendas and ideas. And I'm like, this is a good human being. That's all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, or, or maybe, the, maybe not. I mean, maybe, maybe the person is, you know, very selfish. I still think there's a conversation to be had for the larger goal of getting along as a country, which is crucial to our survival. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I think it's just recognizing the humanity in the other person. For me, whenever I have these conversations, I ask, what is important to you? Like, because I'll always get the initial um, media headline things of, oh, so-and-so is a crook and a criminal and a murderer. So, so it's like, okay, to throw that away. Like, what's actually important to you? Let's Let's talk about that. And trying to get an understanding of where they're from. Like, so for me, I grew up on a military base in Northern California. Um, California, you think, is all liberal? It's not. No. You know, and I was very fortunate to grow up in that environment and to have, to be living around people who were serving the country every single day. And my father was one of them. And so whenever I go home, I have conversations with him about it. And it's been very easy for me at times to think, oh, well, if you're in the military, you're only this way. No, you're not. And I think it's just recognizing who that person is and what their life experiences are and then sharing e with each other how X decisions would affect your life. And I think and I don't think a lot of people think about that of, you know, oh, well, we got to kick the immigrants out or, you know, something like that. Well, hold on, let's have a conversation because this actually affects my life. And same goes with the military. There was a story that really inspired me to concoct this idea for this tv show which by the way i still haven't sold i you know back back when i first thought about it they felt it wasn't incendiary enough because it was the jerry springer era where people threw chairs and you know i just think that this would be a, a very healing thing to have that weekly conversation but i i saw uh, an episode of sally jesse Raphael, which is you know back in the day the, the talk show and it was women of the kkk and um you know, the audience was booing and didn't like them and all this stuff. And uh, Sally Jesse Raphael said, I just want to be clear. I want to make sure I understand. So you believe that a child that's born to non-white parents is a bastard? And the lady said, yes, we do. And the sweetest Latina mom you've ever seen stood up and she, she didn't yell at the woman. She didn't say what's wrong with you. She just said, I have to tell you that's hard to hear because my child, he's not a bastard. We, you know, I love my husband. I love my child. And she started to cry. And the woman said, well, I'm sorry you're upset, but that's what we believe. And shortly thereafter, renounced her membership in the KKK because it couldn't hold anymore. It wasn't those other people, those Latinos. It was that Latina mom, an actual mm -hmm. person that she engaged with. Have you heard about the, the, there's a gentleman, I'd have to look up his name. Um, he's a, a black man that who seeks out KKK members and members of like neo-Nazi parties and actively converses with them. And ha I think he said he's pulled out like over 200 people out of, out of, out of white supremacy and nationalism. Interviewed like grand wizards and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. yeah. But, you, but you can't then, get uh, there if you start from ugh, these people, you can't talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, one of the things I found was this kind of a, a, a list of things to do if you want to converse with someone that is on the other side that helps the mindset um, it's, uh, one of the things that says it is important to have a realistic expectation for those who hold radically different views that you won't change their mind with one conversation. Uh, Peter Coleman, a professor of psychology and education at Columbia University and the director of the Morton uh, Deutsch 
uh, Institutional Center for Cooperation and Conflict Resolution, says it's also necessary to set the ground rules for what types of conversations you want to partake in with loved ones. He explains there's an important distinction between a debate and a dialogue. A debate is a closed process of persuading the other that you're right, Dr. Coleman said. A dialogue is a process of discovery, a process of learning. If the objective is to have a more nuanced understanding of what's important to the other person, then Dr. Coleman suggests being engaged, uh, being an engaged listener uh, to open up to conversation. Also to practice active listening, which basically means to listen to understand instead of listening to respond. Um, and then also to remember your own evolution. Where have you come from ideology-wise? Did you once believe something that you have changed your mind? And how did you get there? Uh, that basically it talked about how, um, basically it goes with this thing called the three Fs. With this tactic, people use the statements with the words felt, found, and feel. For example, if a family member or friend suggests that police brutality isn't a systematic problem, you might respond by saying that there was a time when you might have felt that way. But when you found out how often these acts of violence happened to black people, you started rethinking your stance on it. And so talking about how you've thought of the year, because I used to be more of a conservative uh, Republican uh, uh, stance, have more of an ideology in that stance. But as I talked to other people and I met people from different backgrounds and, and different places, you find yourself seeing the world differently and seeing things differently and coming to different understandings. My friend on Twitter told me, he said, you know, talking to you has helped me understand a lot more about how liberals think. She, he said, and now I feel like you're Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder whenever I want to post something on Twitter. Because <laughs> I'll say, man, that, that was mean. That was really kind of ugly. He's like, you're right, I'm taking it down. So, you know, there is some give and take there. But, you know, a little humility is called for. I, I, a decade ago, a lot of us did not believe in legalizing gay marriage, including Barack Obama. <laughs> now it's like, of course, of course, and we're very arrogant about our enlightenment, but it's like, yeah, it took us a minute to get there. When you were, when you were in high school, you probably said some things that were offensive to certain people, and now you've learned, oh, I don't say that anymore. Right, so we should be humble about that as well. But uh, yeah, I, I just love what this book said about, like, if you, you set out with the idea that, that, that the person is just a lunkhead anyway, nobody changes their minds from being insulted, yelled at, hit with a stick, or, or you know, or, or cursed at, or... Called it called an idiot. People don't go. Oh, thank you. Now I see it. Oh, I see it now. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I think the the biggest rule that I read was, and I, I agree with this in a lot of things, is keep any debates off social media and off text. Have it in person. Have it uh, in either in person or in Zoom. We were talking to each other uh, instead of at each other like you would be with through text. Because also it's easy to misinterpret how people write things, and so you want to hear how they're saying things. Instead of, instead of interpreting it. I want to just also add, we, you don't need to win the insult battle. That There's this mm -hmm. thing of like, oh yeah, well you this, oh well you this. And it's like, you know, you don't have to win that. I, when when, when right-wingers insult me on Twitter, I go, okay, I got it. I totally get it. You wanted to insult me, you win. So now let's get back to what we were talking about because I'm, I'm curious to hear what you had to think. Uh, and Daniel, the, the, note, the difference you noted of like having a discussion versus a debate, I think is super important because I think... We as citizens, the the political conversation has only been now driven into a debate. We only see people debating on the television screens, maybe on podcasts or something like that. So we as a collective don't know how to have that discussion. We think, oh, clearly I just have to debate and just prove that person that I'm right rather than having a nuanced discussion. Yeah. So yeah. true. Thank you so much for kind of bringing that issue to us, Michael. I think that's something that's important to conversation to continue to have. I love that you're out there talking to people on the other side and having these conversations. They say like it's it's a little by little process, especially if there's someone that leaves something very radical that uh, uh, you know, like a white supremacist or a nationalist. It's not one conversation; it's many conversations. It's it's just because first you have to build trust, and they have to you have to build a relationship with someone. And as you build that relationship and have these conversations, not that you're trying to change them, but just offering a different worldview for them to think on. That is important to me because I, I feel like exposure is key. A lot of people, mm -hmm. uh, people who hate black people probably don't know a lot of them. You know, people who hate gay people don't know. People who think gay, gay people shouldn't be parents, they don't know the gay parents that I, that I know who are like so, so great. You know, so what all I could, I think, I think my goal is small, which is I show up as a left, left wing guy and go, here's me. 
and now you now you know me now you now we have a conversation you know and i'm not so bad I too like sports <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to take your guns i don't like guns but i that doesn't mean you can't have them that's you why know? you don't want to take them you don't like guns i'm not i don't want them. Guns. Yeah. i don't want them <laughs> uh mike we kind of d- did this last time with you but uh do you have any kind of wins this week that you want to share that uh you're super proud of or uh they something that you've been looking to do that you succeeded in i do uh as you know for years i've taught a class on the psychology of auditioning and i've had a personal wrestle with the self-tapes i i and i need to not hate them because i need to make that part of my teaching and help other people not hate them mm-hmm. and i've been really in a wrestle about it and i had a talk with one of my students who really loves them i really i had a real big breakthrough because I resented them, I wasn't buying any equipment. I was putting lamps on chairs and moving furniture, and like, you know, standing on one, one foot with tin foil. I mean, you know, and I was always angry and frustrated. And, and, and I also sort of realized I've been very cheap with myself. Like, I'll give to a cause. I'll help out a friend. But, you know, for, to buy a $70, you know, lighting thing, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to spend the money. Like, you know, that's, that's bullshit. I'm a professional High, a professional accomplished TV actor. I went on a, on a shopping spree. I got a ring light, a cube light. I got a, a lavalier mic. I got a, a, a stand to put my computer on for when I'm reading with somebody. I got a, I got a, a collapsible background I, and more and more and more and more. I, and I, it, I'm <laughs> like a, a total convert to shopping, you know, and I'm, I'm so tickled that I've, that I sort of conquered that because I do realize that a lot of the resentment and the, and the, the psychological part of this has been, Oh, I got to figure out how to make a normal lamp, not cast a shadow. And, you know, and, and, and just having the right tools to go, great. I take out my podium. I take out my, my, I now have a, a tall enough um, tripod that doesn't just go to five feet, you know? So it's like, Oh, it's a huge relief. That's been my win of the week. I, I'm going to be doing a self-tape on uh, Sunday, and I'm looking forward to the debut of my new equipment. Congratulations! Yay! Yeah. Yay for new equipment. That's all. Uh, trust me. When we, anytime we buy new equipment for this show, Michael and I are like, let's unpack it. Let's try it out. Let's play with it. Let's figure out how it works. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I, I came from a resentment of like, guys, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't want to do this. You know, uh, and uh, I'm like. You know, with, with situations like this, I always say the choice is you can rail against it or you can accept it. Nothing is going to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like yeah, casting point. is unfair. You can rail against it. It's still going to be unfair. So, sure. so the, the other alternative is to uh, embrace it. Well, hopefully maybe uh, off the podcast, we can, you can share with us the actual pieces of equipment and then we can let our audience know because you know i've that reminds me there's a lot of stuff that i should probably even get for to help myself tapes so it'd be nice to be able to share uh with our listeners that information happy to and the the big win for me was a was the tripod that goes to the right height because so many of them just come up to come up to here four or five feet mm-hmm. and then you got to find a table and a whole i'm like this is such a small thing but such a big relief it makes a big difference mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming back on, Michael. Once again, it's just been a pleasure talking to you. You are so kind with your time, and and I know you say you don't like to say you're you're a, you 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 don't like to put too many positive spins on things, but you are always just one of my favorite people to talk to, just because you have so much great information. You have a great mind and a great outlook on things, and um, it's just a pleasure to converse with you. And so thank you so much for taking time for having me. Where can people find you, your classes, all oh, that stuff. Um, um, this is at the risk of sounding, sounding snooty. The, the classes are packed full with a long waiting list. So I'm not really inviting people to join them, no but, Absolutely. uh, but I'll tell, I'll tell you, uh, uh, first of all, my, my non-show business blog, the weekly curmudgeon, uh, people really enjoy <laughs> It's a, it's a weekly complaint about, the, from the trivial to the to the profound, and that's the weekly curmudgeon.com. Uh, if you can't spell curmudgeon, it's not for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, on Twitter, I'm uh, at the real Kostroff. Um, I don't remember what I am on Instagram. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not the best at this. Um, my class uh, website is auditionpsych101.com, and that's another way to connect with me. Uh, there's a book version of auditionpsych101.com, which a lot of people are buying now because of the fact that I'm not teaching the class. 
um, a little 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 spoiler. In the relatively near future, I will be launching an online version of that class. So if that Fantastic. intrigues you, get on the mailing list. Go to auditionpsych101.com and make sure that you get on my mailing list um, so that you'll be notified when that happens. We're very excited about that. That that's is really about, cool. I think that's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Michael. You were just a pleasure. We appreciate you coming on. We hope we can have you on again eventually. I'll see you next week. <laughs> awesome. Our new our our new co-host. Uh two two Michaels and a Daniel. So true. But Michael, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. I'm wishing you and your wife and your loved ones good health and happiness during this time. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. Stay safe. Man, what a great, I, I love Michael Kostroff. <laughs> like I, that dude, like I feel, uh, I feel like we're friends now. Uh, you know, I think it, once you come on the podcast twice, we're friends. Like we're officially friends. Oh, for sure. But it also, <laughs> it didn't feel like, you know, more than a year had passed since the last time we spoke to him. It didn't feel like a pandemic mm -hmm. had happened since last time we'd spoke to him. Other than the fact that, you know, now he's in Idaho, but right. <laughs> in <laughs> Moscow, or in, in Moscow. Moscow, uh, Moscow. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I honestly, when I when I messaged him about coming back on for this, I was I was genuinely not like he's not a nice person, but just like I was surprised that he said yeah, like just because like I know how busy he is as an actor, and I know he's got a lot of stuff going, and it, you know, and I think you also put in your mind like certain people at certain levels, and you're like, we're you know, oh, why would they want to come back on this podcast? Like, you know what I mean? This like, lowly podcast. This lowly podcast. But you know, he was like, absolutely, and I was like, and that made me feel good in the sense of like that me and you have done a great job and I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back too much, but like we've done a good job of putting together a professional show that I think people look at as, wow, these guys are not just doing it for fun and, and jokes, but like they, they have it together and that, and I think him, him saying he agreed to come on and the other people being willing to come on, even the ones that at this moment aren't willing to come on. It's not because of the podcast, it's other things. And so, yeah. um, and so I, I just, I don't know, that it felt good that he was so, and quick, he got back to me really quick about coming back on. So yeah. and, I was so know, happy it, to have him back. It, it, it's so great uh, to, to see, you know, previous guests on and everything, because some listeners out there, I could imagine, be like, oh, well, you've already talked to him. What, what more is there to talk about? But uh, mm -hmm. as what we saw with this interview, there's just a wide breadth of just conversation to be had. And I loved all of the points that he spoke to as a, what's going on with our national conversation with mm. being able to be civil and to be able to discuss and like actually see the humanity behind people. And mm. I really appreciate the fact that, you know, he has his friend on Twitter who is a mm -hmm. uh, conservative leaning and, you know, supporter of the current president and, but they're able to have a conversation and be able to find an understanding, not, mm agree with each other but they find an understanding they recognize the humanity within the other person it's it's so funny that that you know that we have we had this conversation with him because uh on our twitter at la hustlecast uh a friend of yours from college who is conservative leaning um not specifically a republican but conservative leaning mm -hmm. um posted shared our episode our first episode and posted about how you know how he he disagrees with us on certain issues, but even said like that's not a reason to disconnect and stop listening. And I thought like that was really refreshing. Yeah, and and Shout really cool Mark. of that yeah. person. Yeah, Mark, thank you so much. If hopefully you're still listening, but uh, thank you so much. And that was uh, the fact that you shared it. First of all, just shared the podcast and and talked about about it, and the fact that you listen. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate. And respect, obviously, your views and your opinions. And yeah. I love that, you know, if we can have that kind of relationship with other people on that other side of ideals, um, we would be able maybe to come to better, you know, agreements and better compromises, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's important to recognize not everyone who's involved in entertainment, you know, is necessarily liberal. It's, you know, where there is a wide spectrum. And, you know, Mark is an individual who has served our country. He dedicated... Respect. You know, he dedicated his life to service and he Respect. is an artist. He has his own theater company here in Los Angeles. He uh, does a lot of work within the Hollywood Fringe Festival when that's going on. So it, it for me, just seeing that comment was exactly what 
the the type of stuff that we were talking about with Michael Kostroff of just being able to say, hey, I disagree, but I'm still going to support you. I think that was, you know, I, I, I do want to say this because um, I, I had and I don't want to go too in too much detail on who or, or when, but um, I had a conversation with somebody who was worried about um, our approach to these conversations and to these issues. Um, they, they kind of listened to our episode and as someone who's very strongly for certain things that we are obviously, I think, a for and have a lot of same ideals, you know, they were worried that maybe we were saying too, uh, not, not standing up enough, uh, by, by maybe writing a line, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the things I told them is I, I want, uh, I want this to not be a place where we tell people what to do, but we, we start conversations and I think I want it to show that we can talk in a respectable way where we talk about the issues, how we feel about them and not at each other and and just put down the other side. And I wanted us when we, you know, I, you know, we obviously have stances, you know, we, we definitely support black lives matter. Uh, you know, we discussed that in the first episode, but I want it to be a place where people can listen and, and hear both sides if if that's a possibility but also hear the personal stories of these issues and how they affect each other you know and i think that and by doing that i think we'll open a lot of ears um and a lot of hearts hopefully and I, and 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 i just and and that that's why it's important the way we're doing this is yeah is we're not, we're not to trying to be pundits right we're not mm-hmm. fox news we're not cnn we're not yelling at people of how they should think or anything like that we're we're offering experiences we're offering facts you know i daniel you've been sharing you know in our first episode you shared all the information about daca and stuff and and even in this conversation you shared information as to how to speak people uh, how to people to speak to one another in a civil how speak people do you how speak people speech impediments um me 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 robot me robot but all we're trying to do is lay the groundwork, lay a foundation for you as a listener to to come in and just hear and and to think. I think it's so easy, especially now with all with all the media that's going on out there, to immediately start listening to one thing and then you just latch onto it and that becomes absolute. And I think politics or whatever you want to call it, it it's there's a lot of nuances and <laughs> that that Trump Twitter uh, a tweeter uh, out there is is a person who does have concerns and stuff, and you're not going to change anyone's mind by just, you know, completely sidelining them or dismissing mm-hmm. them. You need to reach yeah. out. You need to create a conversation. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping that we're able to do with these episodes is start a conversation, and we present facts, and they're facts. They're the it's a statistics, it's data, mm-hmm. and you take that as you will, and we go from there. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really appreciate Michael Kostroff coming back on and talking to us. He is just a delightful human being and just a ple- just a pleasure to speak. Like I think me and, me and you could talk to him for hours. Oh my and gosh! Just, and never get bored of just the conversation. Um, I, and, yeah, he should just start his own uh, daily curmudgeon podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the daily. Well, yeah. Take he should take his blog and turn it. Oh, we'll call him. Hey, the uh, daily curmudgeon. Yeah, the Daily Convention Podcast. Um, but uh, Michael, thank you so much for being here again. As always, you are—you know—I I, I adore you. I wish we could be together in person more. Uh, I miss our hugs and our moments together in person. But uh, seeing you every week on every weekend uh, uh, on at least Zoom uh, has already been, and I know will be uh, refreshing and uh, just always a, a highlight of my week. So I adore you. I hope you and Anna Karen are doing well and staying safe. And I love you guys. Yeah. I'd love you too, brother. And best of, uh, send my best wishes to Angie Everett Nolan league of hustle. It is so great being with you guys again. Um, you know, for this special 3.5 season that season 3.5 season 3.5 covid edition uh <laughs> you know this is unique uh we haven't changed what the show is about we're still offering hopefully guidance on how you can navigate your hustle especially during times such as these uh but so grateful daniel that i get to be on this journey with you and uh excited for next week when we speak with 
Greg Crafts, um, mm. former guest. Uh, he is a theater owner here in Los Angeles, and listeners are going to be able to hear about uh, his experience being a theater owner in Los Angeles during a time where theater has been shut down. So mm-hmm. it's we're going to get real. Uh, Greg also talks with us about mental health and the power of that. So a lot more great conversations coming your guys' way in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It's such a good conversation. Do not miss it. He is a ball of conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. just, just a ball of conversation. Again, another person I think we could have an hour-long, more than an hour-long conversation with. Uh, if you want to find us, if you don't follow us yet, you can find us on Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast, all one word. On Twitter, LA. Uh, Hustlecast, LA Hustlecast. You can find us there. Uh, shout out uh, real quick for IG to Ashley uh, Husson, a longtime listener of the show who uh, shared her excitement for us being back. You know, we we adore her and we're so glad that she's sticking with us even after this huge break. And I know how mm-hmm. she was very happy to hear us, see us back. And I appreciate that. Um, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on the political divide, on the conversation. Um, if there's, if you have a story of talking with someone, how that's helped you, if you have a a question on maybe you're having struggles talking to people email us at hollywood hustle podcast we want to hear from you guys we want to know uh what you're dealing with in this sense of this political divide we're going through right now and that would that again is hollywood hustle podcast at gmail.com please send oh, what us did, uh what did you I said say? just hollywood hustle podcast.com yeah, just Hollywood Hustle. That's all you have to put in. <laughs> that's all, that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. But yeah, no, please email us. We especially want to hear if you had a previous uh, uh, belief or a political uh, belief, and if you through a conversation with someone, if that changed your mind, we'd really love to hear that. And again, you can either email us or send us an audio uh, voice message uh, through uh, our podcast hosting app Anchor.fm, uh, available on iOS and Android devices. Again, that's Anchor.fm, and you can just send us a voice message, and your voice will be here on the show mm-hmm. absolutely and uh make sure if this if you've been listening for a while and you've enjoyed the show please and you're listening on itunes please go in and leave us a review uh that helps us just be more visible to people so more people can find the show and we also love seeing your comments on there as well also uh make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you're always getting alerts when we put up new uh episodes and uh, if you're just now listening to this episode, uh, you know, I like to share old episodes to listen to. I know this is not that old, but I highly suggest you go back to our just previous episode, episode 97, uh, where we open up, up about our experiences with COVID and the quarantine lockdown um, and, you know, what our goal for this se- kind of mini season is. And you'll also hear Michael talk about his wife's journey uh, as a DACA recipient uh, and uh, their journey together as they work to make her a u.s citizen so uh it was in a very emotional story a very impactful story um and uh you know it's it's uh yeah i, I there's no words I, there's really no words i can describe the impact of that story not only on me but others that i have shared that story with and uh and so it's 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 thank you once again michael thank you for sharing that because it's really impacting people and um and thank AK for allowing us to talk about it. For sure. I mean, uh, you know, we're so grateful that, you know, for the responses that we've received so far. But I just want to put it out there that we're n- we're not asking for sympathy. Like we're we're it's not like we're, we want to share our sob story. It's 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 a and we're not the only ones. There are so many. Uh, it's awareness. Who, it's awareness. There's so many dreamers out there, so many immigrants who are trying to, you know, come to this country and live their life. And uh, it's unfair the way, um, you know, certain things are being handled right now. But that's why you need to listen to episode 97, guys. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, Daniel, again, for letting us share that story. Absolutely. And everybody else out there, uh, all of you listening right now, all your family and all your friends, please stay safe. Uh, find your routine. Find your way to process this and get through it it's okay to feel it it's okay to sit in it and just move forward and uh thank you so much please be safe wear a mask and uh always remember to uh keep up keep up the, the quarantine, quarantine hustle <laughs> this episode was brought to you by team hustle 
Daniel Tuttle is our host and executive producer. Michael Lutheran co-hosted and produced this episode. Eric Waldman is our production assistant and edited the video version of this episode, available on Facebook and Instagram. Kate Cassidy is our social media coordinator. Our theme and transition music was provided by bensound.com. If you would like to support the hustle of this podcast with a financial contribution, please visit our podcast on anchor.fm, available on iOS and Android app stores, or by visiting hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. So for people who, who don't know, we are talking to Michael Kostroff. Michael Kostroff is a prolific, prolific character I, I, actor. I have to make an edit here, just so you know. It's Kostroff. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I think I did no, that last time. Don't be, sorry. Please don't feel bad. You would be the only person to have ever pronounced it correctly if you'd pronounced it correctly. <laughs> so don't worry. I just okay. wanted to fix it. Yeah, you know, I get called, I get Daniil so many times. I'm like, how do you mess up <laughs> you do Daniel? Not. I do. I've gotten, is Daniil there? I'm like, no. You, you no, come on. No, I'm yeah. telling the dead truth. Okay, the that's dead, I've not, not a ton, but every now and then I'll get it. It's pretty funny. And, well, sorry to interrupt. And I, I was get, to, okay. No, no. I always get trepidation me. over my last name, too. They're like, Luther N? No, they don't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, nope. Yep, you just got, like the church. That that's what it is. Just like the church, Lu- Lutheran. Lu- yep. Luther, Luther, and well, Luther I often and? get spelled M I C H E A L, which is yep. weird. Yeah, I get that all the time. Michael, Mc- Mc- <laughs> I'm here with Michael Kostruf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>